0: we
1: Welcome to the 46th episode of the Invincibly super massive Comic Book Podcast of Stuff. I am Tony Guerrero, and with me is the man who is shaking things up big time in the Green Lantern universe, and also in the Valant universe. We have Mr. Robert Benditti.
0: Hey, Tony. How's it going? Thanks for having me on, man. I appreciate it.
1: Yeah, I appreciate you being on. So, um, <laughs> Green Lantern 24, lights out. Um, and every, I, I still can't get that Peter Wolf song out of my head.
0: <laughs> yeah, I'm, 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 uh, not the inspiration for the story. <laughs> I know, yeah. and, and I'm,
1: I'm sure a lot of people may not be familiar with with that song, you because know, it, it was. I, I don't remember the year. It was. Um,
0: it was in the 80s. I'm pretty yeah. sure. Yeah.
1: And you know, it's it's like, yeah, the singer from Jay Giles band, and and people are probably like, uh, what's that? Yeah, that
0: might that might even be a stretch, you know.
1: Yeah, I was actually surprised. Yeah. My my daughter, she's 10. Um, and and she was singing along to um, uh, Angel in the Centerfold.
0: Yeah, yeah. Just centerfold, yeah. Yeah,
1: it's, it's like, I like, like, was how do you know that song? And it's like, oh, because I had the 80s station on, on, you know, the satellite radio. And,
0: sure, yeah. And so it's like,
1: 80s um, on don't, eight. Yeah, don't listen to the, the lyrics too much. <laughs> um, but yeah, so, um, yeah, the song was in 1984 is when, when, when Peter Wolf Lights Out, came out. So not the inspiration at all.
0: Not Here the inspiration,
1: no. <laughs> See, I always wonder, like, how much am I allowed to play, you know, before
0: the lawyers are going to I'm out? not sure. I think you probably played enough, though. <laughs> because, like,
1: like, on iTunes, <laughs> they, they extended the, the clips to, like, a minute now. You know, yeah. Get a minute. Yeah, of
0: you those. can get all, almost the whole song sometimes. And
1: then it's like, so what if I play, like, 10 seconds, pause, you know, let it go another 20 seconds, you know, it's like little pieces so I'm not doing it continuously but I don't think people want to hear that so <laughs> we don't have to do that so uh, yeah Green Lantern um, Relic so big dude for older than, than the universe I guess you know we, we can r- reveal that um, yep. He, yep. He, he's, he's on a mission wants to destroy all the Lantern Corps not just the Green Lantern Corps but all of them he's like I don't like you guys you guys mm-hmm. are doing bad things and y'all need to go away
0: yeah, he comes from the universe before ours and he had this theory in his universe that uh what his universe called were lightsmiths, which was his universe's version of lanterns, that all this light that they were using was coming from a, a reservoir somewhere, you know, there was a place where all this energy came from and he had this theory that that reservoir could be depleted and the light would run out and he was fearful of what kind of implications that would have for basically all of creation and all the lightsmiths in his universe basically ignored him you know they thought it was silly they told him to go prove it and they were just going to keep doing what they were doing because they were using light to even a larger extent than the lanterns that we see in our universe you know they were building entire cities out of light and their their cultures and their civilizations dependent on it and so they didn't want to listen to what this guy had to say and uh it turned out the reservoir ran dry and, and their universe ended and Somehow he survived that cataclysm and has been spit out into our universe. And the first thing that he sees when he wakes up is our lanterns using light. And even though he started out as a scientist who tried to appeal to others through reason and, and debate and things like that, and that didn't work, now he's going to take a more direct approach. And he doesn't want to risk another universe by talking again, so he's just going to be a man of action. And his goal is to now... Basically get rid of all the Lanterns in the universe so that uh, he can save the universe. And he started out with the Blue Lanterns first. Uh, You found out in New Guardians 23, he went and attacked the Blue Lanterns' homeworld. And he killed all the Blue Lanterns except for Saint Walker, uh, who was able to survive because Kyle teleported away with him. And he did that because in his universe, the Blue Lanterns were, to his mind, the most damaging. Because they have this ability to supercharge other rings and, and really drain the reservoir and now his next stop is to go after the green lanterns uh because they are the largest of all the core in our universe and so uh that's where he's headed next and that's where he shows up in green lantern 24
1: and and this is what was was hinted on was it issue 20 right where we kind of had a little kind of flash forward a bit when we
0: yeah that was my uh my very first issue the opening scene of my first issue of green lantern which was green lantern 21 oh 21 yeah, uh, shows a scene where uh, Relic is already on Oa and the battery is dead, and you don't really you see Relic for a panel, but you don't really understand what's going on too much. And so, Green Lantern Twenty Four and uh, the issues that have happened in between have caught us up to that moment. And you actually see that moment replay, sort of, you know, in a different way from a different angle in in Green Lantern uh, Twenty Four. But yeah, we're caught up now, back with that flash forward, and now we're going to see where the story goes from here
1: now, um you know, depending on the success of this it's like it could be like potential spin off like the old universe fifty two you know with the lightsmiths, <laughs> and you do like a whole whole other fifty two comics
0: yeah I, I guess I mean that's not really the intention right now you know I, the uh, the relic issue that was that I did during villains month um you know that was one of the issues that I knew that I was going to be doing from the very beginning. And then, right after I did my first issue, I wrote Green Lantern 21. And either concurrently or just after, I wrote that relic issue so that the other writers in the Green Lantern group would know who the character was and what his background was and what his motivations were so that they could develop, you know, the lights out crossover in their own books. And really, it was just a great opportunity. You know, DC had this idea to uh, tell the story in 20 splash pages that they would run as variant covers. for the 21s, 22s, and 23s across the Green Lantern line. And so that meant I had an opportunity to create an entire universe and destroy it in, in just 20 panels, you know? So that's that was a pretty uh, pretty fun thing to be able to do, a big challenge. Not the kind of opportunity, obviously, as a writer that you're given every day. So uh, I was pretty excited about that, and I'm really happy with how the issue turned out.
1: Yeah, I mean, it was a really cool issue, and, and, and it just – and and you know the surprising thing for for being all splash pages, there was a lot of text because you know you had to read read along the whole thing and and yeah
0: I'm. yeah I wanted the issue to function really on a couple of levels. I mean you know first and foremost obviously I wanted to tell Relic's backstory and and develop that character, but I also wanted it to be sort of a primer of sorts for the emotional spectrum and the idea of the core and how all of that operates. Uh, so this could be a a really good clean jumping on point for anybody. Wanted to come onto the series, you know, for the lights out storyline. They could, you know, really sort of get um, everything they need to know about how the rings work and, and who the different core are and all that kind of stuff. So I wanted to work in both of those ways. And I also wanted to have, a, a, you know, a, a mythological feel. You know, the Green Lantern stories are, or the Green Lantern uh, continuity as far as the emotional spectrum and all that is, is often referred to as a mythology. And so I wanted to approach Relic's story like that as well and have it be you know mythological when when you're reading a myth or or reading a book of faith or anything along those lines you know there's a different sound to it you know than than a typical work of fiction and so i wanted to uh, not saying that those things are fiction but you know what i'm trying to say than a typical story and i so i didn't want to, uh i wanted to reflect that i wanted to feel mythological and and you know larger and and all that kind of stuff so
1: and going back to the potential uh, spin off stuff, just I mean you could do like old universe Batman
0: <laughs> I guess I could yeah <laughs> just, just so And you 'd to... have to be like thirty feet tall because yeah. the thing about relic is in his universe he wasn 't a giant, you know, when you read the relic issue, everybody 's his size you don 't realize that he 's a giant until he comes to our universe and it 's smaller, and he actually says that to to Hal in Greenlander twenty four about how the lightsmith in his universe were much smaller. And that all ties in, you know, I guess sort of subliminally into how his universe ran out of energy so fast. Because not only were they building these cities and all these things, but they were also having to use constructs to do this that would be, you know, five times larger than what we would need because everything was bigger where he came from, you know. He's from Texas is what I'm trying to say.
1: <laughs> that's the old universe. That, that's the secret. But the right, yeah. new 52 universe. So uh, – now, you, how far back did you, like, start planning out this, this story? Like, that you're going to just come in and totally shake things up?
0: Um, it, it was a large part of my pitch, you know, which I started working on back in October of last year. And it just sort of developed over time as I was talking through ideas. Uh, you know, it started out with this idea, talking with, you know, the editor, Matt Kent, the group editor for Green Lantern, about, you know, the, the idea of just a character who came from the universe before ours. And we were just sort of talking about different things along those lines. And then at some point somebody said the phrase the source wall and I had never heard of the source wall. You know, I don't come from comics and so I I don't know anything about a lot of the continuities. But when somebody said the source wall, not knowing what it was, it just I don't know, it clicked with me and I was said, you know, what if what if there's a reservoir and that's where all this light comes from and what happens when it runs out and the whole story really grew out of there. But, you know, it also developed over time in pieces as well. And, you know, it was, I was working on it, you know, for almost a year before the Relic issue came out. And so just over time, I would have an idea and I would say, you know, what if, what if this? And and sometimes they were pretty big and they were pretty, you know, risky. And a lot of times I expect them to say, eh, you know, we can't really do that. But, uh, you know, to their credit, they they really let me follow the story where it led. And it was just a matter of as I was thinking about it and what the plot would be, you know, coming across a moment and saying, logically, this is probably what would happen now based on what we know. And the question is, are we, are we actually going to do it? You know, and, and, uh, you know, pretty much infallibly we ended up doing them all. So everything's going to be a lot different by the time we get to the end of October.
1: Speaking of the source wall, like, um, back in 2010, I did a, a three minute expert video on it and, it it was insane, i mean just trying to you you say you don't you don't want to know about it it's just like <laughs> just trying to sort all that stuff out was was, yeah. was was a was interesting let's put it that way so um yeah i mean and you know you mentioned the the, the power battery the 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 central battery- so it's like you're you're not going easy on the lanterns and you know so it's, it's surprising that you know the, the, your the group editor can say sure go ahead you can do this you can get rid of this change this shake that up i mean it,
0: yeah I, I think it's because i mean i don't know you'd have to ask them but i'm a very detailed uh organized writer you know so i do plan things a lot out and i i do have I do know what the direction of Green Lantern is going to be after this event. So even though I would say these things and they would be pretty big, I would say, "And here's what would happen afterwards." You know, so if we do this, it will lead to this, and then this will be the plot line that grows out of it, and like that. So it wasn't just me throwing out some crazy idea, and not really knowing where it went, but really having a plan for it and, and a reason that it would actually make sense within the context of the story and. And add conflict and and not be done just for like a cheap, you know, uh, wow factor or anything like that. But but to have it be something that was actually integral to the overall plan of of what we were trying to do with the books.
1: Yeah, because like so you know when I, when I reviewed the issue, you know the first the first part, and you know you, a lot of times in, in the first part of a of an arc, you know you got to set things up, you got to establish you know who all the characters are and all that. But here. You know, it, like I said, you don't you don't hold back. You just start start going, and then, um, which you know, we won't get into specifics of Green Lantern Core twenty four, which is out when people are listening to this. But again, the second part, and it's like okay, you know, first issue things get kind of crazy. Everything you know, we, we there's four more parts, but it's I I'm I'm like almost speechless with what what happens in Green Lantern Core twenty four. We'll just tease that out. You know, people need to get that, and um. So, are, are you going to be like, like sitting back, waiting, to hear reactions?
0: And <laughs> yeah, we, I mean, you know, I, I'm curious to see what people think, and we all are, you know. and I mean, all the writers across the groups we've all do, we're all doing some things that are pretty risky, you know. We all sat in the room and and really talked about the storyline and, and tried to come up with something extremely important that would happen in each book of the crossover, and and. You know, have each character get involved in a way that only that character could, only that character could, uh, to further the story and and also make sure that there's a very lasting you know legacy that comes out of this for each of the books, whether it's how it affects Green Lantern or Red Lanterns or New Guardians or any of those kinds of things. And so, there's going to be a lot of big moments. Um, you know, what happens at the end of Green Lantern Twenty Four is certainly not the least of them. And uh, all the way through the annual, there's going to be a lot of things happening. You know
1: so uh now then part three so green Lantern, new guardian so that's justin jordan i mean mm-hmm. did, did you guys like all like get together or was this like email exchange phone calls you know how how do you guys like all sit down and like okay
0: yeah some some email uh a lot on the phone but then also getting together you know when we can as well you know we all got together at heroes con this year um we're all gonna see each other again and in New York this year, and we'll probably get together and talk about some things. But a lot of it is, uh, you know, setting up phone calls, DC setting up phone calls, us getting on the phone and talking through things.
1: Yeah, so and so, so part three is with Kyle in the mm-hmm. New Guardians, and then um, part four will be in Red Lanterns, so that's mm-hmm. Charles Soule. And um, we we know from the solicits, the solicits for, I think it's 25, where – the Red Lanterns are going to be taking on a new role. So obviously that's something that we can assume is coming out of this whole story that things, like like I said, you know, if things aren't crazy already, it's like, they're clearly going to get even crazier.
0: Uh, yeah. That, you know, like I say, there's, we worked real hard to make sure there was a lasting impact on each of the books and Red Lanterns is certainly no, uh, no, no exception. You know, Charles, Trussell is a phenomenal writer, and he's got some great ideas of things he's going to be doing there. It's going to be a lot of fun. And so, you know, and uh, you know, we tried to surprise people all the way through. You know, I, I, Billy and I worked on this Relic character for a long time, whether it was coming up with a story or working on the design, which Billy did such an amazing job with. And we're out there doing interviews about this new character that's going to be hit in the DC universe and all that. And then all of a sudden, the character shows up in New Guardians. It's like nobody knew that was going to happen, you know. <laughs> so we try to really... Uh, we try to really misdirect people and, and try to make it surprising for folks. And, and hopefully that makes it more fun for them as well.
1: Now. And then uh, the conclusion is in the Green Lantern annual number two. Yep. So, so is that, is it the, the story going to be the entire issue? Uh,
0: is lights out going to be the entire issue
1: in the, in the annual? Cause you know, sometimes yeah, it's 30,
0: it's 39 pages and it's all lights out. Yeah.
1: Wow. And then, and so this is literally a story arc where everything changes.
0: Yeah, and it's a complete story. By the end of the Green Lantern Annual, you will have all of lights out. You know, so it's the four. You know, Green Lantern twenty four, Green Lantern Core twenty four, New Guardians twenty four, Red Lanterns twenty four, Green Lantern Annual number two, one month, four books, whole story. You know,
1: that's that's crazy. Um, And then, kind of peeking ahead a little, so Green Lantern Core twenty five is a zero year tie in. Mm-hmm. Um, I, so I talked to Van a little bit about this, and I, I think this is a great idea because this is going to focus on on John John Stewart because mm-hmm. when we had the Zero issues um, was it I think it was 2012 the September books yeah where um so you know Hal had his own Zero issue Guy had his own Zero issue Kyle had his own but poor John didn't get his own Zero issue so now this sure, is yeah. this is essentially his his Zero issue.
0: Yeah, and that's exactly what he wanted to be. You know, uh, when when DC reached out to me, it wasn't like we're doing Zero Year. There has to be a Green Lantern Zero Year book. It was we're doing Zero Year. Do you think that's a story that anybody could, you know, any of the Green Lanterns could be involved with? And it just was immediately yes we want to do it with John Stewart because he never got to have a zero issue the crossover is called zero year for crying out loud i mean it, <laughs> you know it's an opportunity to give him a zero issue and so we were really excited about that and uh, um you know it, it's going to tie in perfectly it's completely organic you know it's all part of the big plan we've known about it for a long time so it's not at all going to feel like an intrusion on the on green lantern corps as a title or anything like that it's going to be a book that really explains a lot about john and where he's coming from and uh, Van just did a really good job with it.
1: And uh, so, according to the solicit, Anarchy is going to be in that. Is I don't know if you is is that the first time we're seeing Anarchy in the New Fifty Two.
0: I don't know. I believe so, but I I couldn't swear to it. You know, I think it is. It's sometimes yeah.
1: it's yeah. It's, it's hard to, to keep track. But so yeah, that's that that's great. Now, what's it like with with work, working with um, Bernard Chang?
0: Oh, I love working with Bernard. You know, I worked with him for on four issues of Demon Knights. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know prior to being on court with him and you know he's just a great talent a really good storyteller super nice guy you know super smart great at design you know he's he's really got all the tools so uh you know i'm always happy to work with him whenever i can
1: yeah i think it was at i think it was WonderCon this year where you know he was at artist alley he was just like drawing and and just like standing and drawing and i just had to like stop and just just you know watch him i mean it's just, just crazy just the stuff that he does
0: <laughs> he's a really cool guy too you know
1: yeah. yeah so obviously, and you know we won't get into this, uh, you you have big picture, so you, you know what's what's happening next in in green Lantern books-hmm and and now I mean how, how how mapped out do you have that? Because you know you mentioned you had lights out you know basically a year ago, and you yeah. know, now we're seeing it, so that's going to be so like how far in advance do you have like the repercussions and what happens next?
0: Uh, right now, uh, for Green Lantern and Green Lantern Corps up through August of next year.
1: Wow! Yeah. So that's so. So I guess it's safe to say. And that-
0: I know what the next story is after that. I just haven't plotted it out yet. You know, like we know we know what's going to happen after August of next year. We just haven't really sat down and started breaking it down into story beats. Mm-hmm. But like Van and I, we live near each other in Atlanta, and we get together once in a while. And because Hal is leader of the Corps, we want to make sure that we're coordinating everything. And we're not crossing lines with each other. So he and I actually plotted out, you know, pretty much beat by beat, both books all the way through August of next year.
1: So now, assuming Hal and everyone survives and the, the Green Lantern Corps isn't like reduced to making paper airplanes to fight, fight the villains without their rings.
0: Mm-hmm. Assuming. You never assuming. know. Yeah. You never yeah.
1: know. Yeah, after these first, the first two parts, I mean, there's no telling what you guys are going to do. It's like, yeah, like forget what you know about the Green Lanterns. It's over. <laughs>
0: it's all
1: over. Uh, okay, let's talk Exo uh, Man War. Okay. So, issue eighteen is out on let's see the sixteenth. What What do you want to say about that? Because we're things are getting crazy, and you know, and we're we're seeing just a lot of big action, a lot of cut cutting loose. I mean, so so what's it like? working in, in here because the valiant universe is you know there, there's that there's some cohesion there but it's not like you know dc or not like the like green lantern universe so you basically you know you have your little corner so what's what's it like working on on, on that
0: yeah with exo War, you know it is sort of its own book and valiant does a great job about having all their titles come out and they're all unique from each other whether it's, you know, Quantum and Woody or Bloodshot or Harbinger, Exo Manowar. But it is also still a cohesive universe, and particularly what's going on with Exo Manowar right now, where we're building up to this Unity arc that's going to happen. Valiant is launching a new Unity book by Matt Kent and Doug Braithwaite that comes out in November, and it's going to bring them head-to-head against uh, Exo Manowar because of the events that have happened in this most recent arc. Uh, Exo Manowar, what is it? 15 to 18, and so there is some coordination that goes on there. So in a lot of ways, you know, it's it's different, but it's but it's also the same. You know, it's just talking with editors, getting in a writer's room, talking to the other guys, bouncing off ideas off each other, and making sure everything lines up, and you're feeding the story beats the way they need to be storied. You know, they need to be fed in order to link the books together and all that kind of stuff.
1: Now, also, um, at the end of the month, on, on the 30th, uh, a deluxe edition oversized hardcover yeah, it's coming out. So it's like the first fourteen issues. Have yeah. you have you seen it yet?
0: I haven't. You know, it's funny. Like the first copy got FedEx to the Valiant offices today from the printer, and Warren Simons, uh, my editor, who's also a really good friend of mine, he, he took a photo of it and he texted it to me. But no, I have not seen it in my hands yet. But I'm extremely excited about that. You know, uh, I mean, I love the way. Uh, unlike anybody else, you know, I love hardcovers. So yeah. to have one of my own and to think that I've done. Enough issues of anything to even be collected into a hardcover. I mean, you know, when you start out as a writer, you never know what's going to happen. You know, it, it, and as early goings, you'd be happy to have just one story published in your head. You know, if I can just get one thing published, I'll, I'll you know, I'll go to my grave a happy guy. You know, and yeah, you know, it's crazy where your career takes you. And I ended up launching X Men War Over Valiant. I've, I'm writing the twentieth issue of that right now, and I have that planned out through you know through number thirty. And wow. I'm working on Green Lantern, and I've done Demon Nights, so. It's uh I don't know. It's a lot of fun. I feel very lucky, very fortunate to be to be where I am and doing what I'm doing and I'm just trying to enjoy it as most I can, you know.
1: Now, for being oversized, does that mean that because there's like almost 400 pages or is it like actually larger than a It's like
0: the size of if you remember the Flintstones, it's like the size of that that big side of ribs that Fred gets <laughs> when he goes to the drive-thru, you know, it's like that. Uh-huh. Okay, Yeah, awesome. you have to carry it actually outside the car, is what you have to do. Um, no, it is a little bit larger of a format. All right, that's good. Cool. And, and then it, is, it does have a lot of bonus material in it as well. But I mean, I, I not having hold it in my hand, I can't tell you what the actual dimensions are, you know?
1: Okay, yeah, it's just yeah. over 20 pages of never-before-seen art and extras.
0: Actually, that's what the solicitation said. It ended up being over forty pages. Wow! So there's there's more stuff in it than this. From what I understand, there's more stuff in it than what the solicitation said. Okay.
1: So. And and the retail price is forty bucks.
0: Yeah, which, not bad. Yeah, not for hardcover
1: with yeah. fourteen issues. Let alone, I mean, because mm-hmm. these days it's, it's like some of the hardcovers coming out. It's like they'll have like four or five issues from a certain uh, yeah. certain
0: publisher, Marvel. And it's just <laughs> yes, like, it's uh, like twenty fourteen bucks. issues. Yeah, it's the whole. Uh, the whole major long first major long form arc, you know, from from the beginning first issue all the way up to the end of Planet Death, which sort of tells you that whole long story of of E X O, and and now we're into the second long form arc, which is him returning to Earth and then moving on into the Unity story and things like that.
1: Oh man, I can't wait! Too bad Dave, we won't have that at New York Comic Con.
0: Um. I believe there may actually be some copies there, but you might want to check that.
1: Yeah. I will. I'm gonna. I'm a bug hunter. Like, okay. So that that way, I can try to track you down, even though you're gonna only be there one day.
0: I will get, be there just for Sunday. Yeah get, yeah.
1: get you to sign it. All right. Speaking of of getting ready, getting, I, I know you need to head out. So this is something, Axomana, where people need to definitely check that out if they're not already. You know, we 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 talk about it all the time you know people know we we love it on comic vine so i'm assuming they're they're checking it out they better be
0: <laughs> all the valiant books are great honestly yeah. i mean I, I love reading every one of them you know
1: yeah it's it's just like you know new valiant book it's like it's it's a no brainer it's like it's going to be good so something's they're doing something right over there where somehow they they got they they know how to do it and they know how to get you guys to do it all right so uh This so people need to check out Green Lantern Core twenty-four. It's so on sale today when people are listening to this. Um they they should have already read Green Lantern twenty-four and um, because you know, I I, I don't know if I told you, but like when I first heard it's like another event. It's like we just had, you know, the last two recent events and villains month and all this, but it's just like holy cow, I mean this this I'm a little scared about what you guys are gonna do. But but that's that's good.
0: (laughs) It means I care. (laughs) <laughs> hopefully hopefully uh, you'll like it when we get to the end
1: Because you, you know I wear a Green Lantern ring all the time I don't know if I should I do
0: yeah. I do. Yeah. So,
1: so be, watch out You'll, you'll hear <laughs> Alright Robert So it's great talking to you Hopefully I'll see you at New York Comic Con Absolutely um, So I'll, I'll try to track you down Cool and, and yeah So people need to check everything out And it's going to be crazy And that's, that's good Because that's what we need. we need We need different stuff Shake things up Alright, so we'll we'll have to talk again soon when you when you have some more time.
0: Absolutely, man. Whenever you need it.
1: Alright. So that was Robert Venditti. So make sure seriously, you know, if you're not reading Green Lantern, if if you're thinking, you know, we just had Wrath of the First Lantern and what was the other one? It's like this this is it's you wanna read lights out. You know, if you've ever read Green Lantern, if you have any interest in Green Lantern Things are things are going to happen. This isn't like a crossover. It's like, okay, nothing happens. Because Green Lantern Core, number 24, something pretty big happens. Let's just say that. And um, it's, it's not it's something that you can easily turn around, you know, revert back. So you have to see that. And, again, and Exo Manowar, I mean, Valiant stuff, you got to check out the Valiant stuff. Don't just say, well, you know, I'm not really sure. You know, I don't want to read something. Valiant, they're doing some good stuff. and. I'm I'm seriously gonna get that that hardcover. Uh you know, I have the trades, I have the single issues, but it's gonna be good. So now let's do some some questions and listen to some more music. No, we won't listen to more music. So if you have questions, and you know, normally when I have the guests on, you know, sometimes they they can stand longer, but this was this was actually like a last minute I was like, "Hey, Robert, can you come on the podcast so we can talk about Lights Out (laughs) because it was insane," and um, and and again, thankfully, I got to read Green Lantern Corps twenty four. But if you have questions for normal, normally, normally for normal, you can go to the general forums on ComicBook.com, look for the Ask G-Man video question thread, and you can type in your questions there. The reason it says video is this used to be a video. Um, the Ask and You Shall Receive Answers videos, where it's like 40, 50 minutes. But I was like, that is just crazy. You don't need to see me standing there talking for that long. And it took a while to edit. So I did the podcast. And I said, well, if I'm doing another podcast, why don't I try to get these people on to talk about their stuff? You can also go to Twitter. So my username, my Twitter name is Gman from Heck. Use the hashtag GMan. And I will get your questions there mixed in with the fishing questions from some other guy calling himself G Man, which he's he's not even calling; he's not even real G Man. His name's like Gerald. So, um, but you know, people need to fish because people like eating fish. So, I guess it, you know it's important to have those those fishing questions answered. Another place you can ask questions, you can ask questions on my Tumblr. So that would just be. Uh, Gmanfromheck.tumblr.com. Um, <laughs> there is one question. Okay, one question here from Pizza hashtag on Tumblr. He wants to know what are the best depths when fishing for largemouth bass. So, so thanks, thanks Pizza hashtag. I'm going to say the best depth is is eight hundred and thirty two feet. So you need to find a lake that has a depth of 800 and – what I say? 32 feet. So there you go, Mr. Smarty Pants. Um, uh, fourth option, if, if you need options, if you want more options, I'll give you more options. You can also email because um, you know we do have the email for the regular Friday podcast. So you can just send a, a question to podcast at comicvine.com. And if you do that, just specify in in the subject whether it's for the supermassive podcast or the weekly podcast, you know just so I know you know which which one If you have a question just for me, or if you have a question for Corey and whoever else may be on. All right, so going to Twitter, there are some questions here. Um, this was from Parallax Steve on September thirtieth. So um, I don't believe we covered this one yet. Um, He wants to know, if you were given a chance to be a writer on any comic book, which one would you choose and who would be your artist? All right, this this is a tough question. And, you know, I kind of talked a little bit about it. Um, At Rose City Comic Con, I kind of got an idea and a writer said, you should totally write that. And so, I mean, as before, you know, I've mentioned this, I know, you know, some people in, in, on my side of of an industry are, are doing it, are attempting to do it, are trying to do it, want to do it or something. And, you know, that, that's great. I just, I never really thought to, you know, to be a writer. I, I do remember back in fourth grade, we had to do a journal and I, I still have it and, you know, writing some stories, um, it was strange because a lot of the stories started out either original stories and then they kind of morphed into a take like they were inspired by movies or vice versa where they kind of started off as like inspired by a movie and then morphed into something else. Like I did one where <laughs> – I actually – I did one. Um, it was – it had a Spider-Man thing, so it not necessarily a movie. It might have been a comics or an animated series. But then I remember I actually went back and changed. <laughs> so this is fourth grade. I was like, well, I can't call it, you know, Peter Parker. So I think I ended up, what did I, I changed his name to um, Peter Barker. Or I, I remember changing the name somehow. And, you know, he couldn't be called Spider Man because I knew that that was a Marvel character. You know, I didn't realize whole copyright and legal stuff, but I, I knew I couldn't call it that. But I think I did a like an Indiana Jones style something. It was weird with the Spider Man thing, and this has nothing to do with the question. But then it it somehow turned into I think this big car chase. And, and Spider Man doesn't drive a car except for a Spider Mobile. So, anyways, going back to the question, um, if I ever thought of, of writing a comic, you know, it, it's it's really hard to say. Obviously, the character and the artist would make make a big difference. Like, I'd I'd love to say, I'd want to write Batman, you know, because I absolutely love Batman. I've I probably read more Batman stories than any other character, just because there's been so many, and I've been reading for so long, and and I've gone back and read, you know, get my hands on any like Golden Age, Silver Age, you know, trades with the reprints, anything like I could get, read those old stories. So. I'm not trying to say, yeah, I could be the best Batman writer, but I like to think I do have a good grasp on him and just the whole universe. So it's like I, I wouldn't mind doing a a Batman story. I haven't like sat down and said, oh, this here's my Batman fanfic. You know, I haven't thought about that. But as far as an artist, obviously, if I were to get an artist, I'd I'd love to have Mike Allred. But Mike Allred on Batman, that totally changes everything. Um, You know, because that would doing a Mike Allred Batman story would be crazy fun but i don't know if that's the type of story i would want to tell or that's the type of story that i could tell you know something brighter and you know a little wackier zany um and you know if you say like oh greg capullo because you know he's he's doing a great job um yeah you know, i i would okay if if i could get anyone how about if i say i'd want to write like a, a darker batman story and maybe get like todd mcfarlane to come back and do some comics how about that? There there is an answer. Um I shouldn't put too much thought into it because you don't want to sit and listen to me think about you know trying to come up with 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 an answer. Um here's another question from Rex Bolt um or Stony on Twitter. This was September 29th. Hey G Man and friend, friend had to leave. Is there any X-Men time travel story where the future isn't doomed? Uh I you know, I I I saw this question um the other day and I was actually going to look up cuz I, I think I wrote an article about this. Uh it's every single it's like being an X-Man sucks because no matter what's going to happen the 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 future is it, it's something bad happens and there there's no there's never any you know they never have like happily ever after. Um yeah, So I, so I wrote an, an off my mind article back when I, I had time to write those more often. It says, it was just the X-Men are f- fated to a horrible future. So we all know uh, from Uncanny X-Men 141 and 142, the days of future past where everybody dies in, in issue 142. So, we, you know, we've seen that. There's been so many different variations on that. And, you know, we know everyone dies there. But there's been so many other times. There is a... Um, the Grant Morrison one um, was it? Here comes tomorrow, something like that. So that was uh, like 150 or something years in the future, and you know you still had Wolverine, you had Beak, <laughs> Beak, jeez, um, and some other stuff, and you know things were were messed up back then. And then there was a the reason I wrote this because at the, at the time uh, it was in Wolverine and X Men, Jason Aaron's issue. Um, I forgot what what number it was. It was early on. And we see another future there. That's where we saw um, Quentin Quire. He's, he's got the Phoenix power. You know, he has a suit. And again, things are really bad there. It's like, what is going on? And then we have Battle of the Atom, which let's see. So when you listen to okay, so all new X-Men number 17, which came out last week, we get a glimpse into the future because magic takes young Beast and young Iceman into the future, and it, the issue starts out. It's like, wow, look at this! This is great. I won't tell you who, but it's like there's a mutant president, and then everything goes horribly. It's, it's just, it's awful, just like you would think. And other crazy stuff happens. The X Men just never catch a break. It's like, <laughs> they're never going to have a good time. So I don't, I don't know what it is. I'm trying to think if there ever was, there's gotta be a future where things aren't that bad, but it's like always something happens because if it was happily ever after, I guess maybe that would be boring. People like the conflict. They want to see, they want to see their beloved. Strangely, they want to see their, their characters get beat up. You know, it's, it's like masochistic or something, you know, it's like, why? But if, if they're just sitting around doing nothing, I guess that would be boring. And, you know, Oh, they're gonna settle down, get married, have kids, and just sit in the backyard, tree swings or whatever, and uh, I don't know. It's just just craziness. All right, Stetson um on September 30 says, in Flash Rebirth. Oh geez, I haven't read that in a while. Zoom says he's the one who brought Flash back from the Speed Force. How so? I thought he came back in Final Crisis. Um okay, so I'm trying to think. So Barry came back. Like it was like Final Crisis, like issue zero. So I'm like where, where you know you had the whole narration. Then Bolt of Lightning, and, and he's there. Um Man, it, it, it's not that long ago, but I I don't recall exactly. But he probably you know, God Zooms just so crazy. It's like uh, I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna say yeah, he he did it. I don't remember exactly how. I'd have to go back and read it, but. um It's just that crazy, like just the way things happen because wasn't it, and am I crazy in thinking that Barry was actually the lightning bolt that hit the chemicals that turned him into the flash that somehow going through time, he, he was able to do that. And so basically he created himself. I, I I could be totally crazy thinking about that, but I, I seem to remember that somewhere. Um, Let's see bakeware um, sound in the signals says I'm curious if you like the bounce and do you think Joe Casey cracked the Spider-Man formula like he claimed with it? You know, I actually meant to, to read the bounce when it first came out. I was like, Oh, you know, new image title. Um, I'll, I'll check this out. But I have to say, unfortunately I have not read it because image is just putting out so many good books um, I don't know how this is. I'm, I'm trying to think if I've heard anyone, um, talking about it. Uh, cause I think, I think like issue five just came out. Um, but what are people saying about the bounce? Uh, I'm, I'm really curious. I should, should check it. Out. I mean, I guess if issue four or five is coming out, a, a trade will, will come out, but I don't, I don't know. Um, not sure what people are thinking about that. Uh, you know, it's, it's always hard. And, you know, this is like what, what I was saying about, about uh, the Valiant books. You know, th- th- a lot of times we get these, you know, new series and it's like, should I check this out? And, you know, it's hard for a lot of people to commit to something new um, that, when they don't know about it. So going to comicvine.com, so looking at the first issue... So if, if you're not familiar with the with the bounce, uh the solicitor for the first issue says Meet the Ultimate Slacker superhero for the twenty first century. Jasper Jenkins is a superhead and a superhero. He's relatable and reliable, and he's there's a lot of ands in here. And he's embarking on the adventure of a lifetime, the sensational debut of a new feel-good hero of the decade. You can't afford to miss it. Um so right there, it's like, yeah, okay, I'm i I'm curious about that. Uh what I like that I'm seeing here. Is you guys in the in the comic Bind community have created character pages? So there's one, two, three, four, five. So there's seven different characters on the first issue. So that's what's great when we have a new series and you guys jump on board and make those those character pages because that that's um, really important. Looking at the reviews, um, how many? There's only two user reviews for issue one. Uh, the first one is a three. Three out of five. So that's not bad. I mean, for our first issue. And then um, so that was W M wad W A D E I I. Um, and then Hayden Claire Heroes gave it a two. So doesn't sound too good. Um I I I don't know. Um issue two. There's a, a 4 out of 5 from Sci-Fighter issue 3. <laughs> there are no reviews. Issue 4 it has no reviews and issue 5, I think when did that just that just come out, has no reviews. That's a little concerning right there based on you guys, because you guys haven't jumped out all over reviewing those. I'm definitely gonna check that out because, you know, I'm I'm always eager for something new. So doesn't sound too good, but we'll see. Um okay, let's see. Next question is from Josh Co. says Do you know if the new Son of the Bat series will resurrect Damien or is an alternate universe? It is I'm going to Assume so that comes out later this month. It's an alternate universe because they're not going to bring him back because this is it's set in the future. You know, Damien's already um, older. You know, at least from from the from the the pictures for Nick like the cover. Uh, so yeah, they're they're not going to bring him back this way. It's it's weird that they would do this after his death, but maybe this was just written before and now it's fine. You know, maybe they just wait until the series was done before they solicited or released it. It, I mean, e- either way, if even if Damien never comes back, I, I'm really curious to see how th- this plays out. And, you know, hopefully it's going to be worth the wait, you know, or, or I think it's safe to say we're all looking forward to it, especially since we don't have Damien now. And, you know, there's a lot of people that really grew to like Damien. So getting to see something. And again, this is a future tale. This is almost like, like a what if or else worlds. So we get to see, what happens before he becomes a Batman you know, from Batman 666. So it's going gonna, it's gonna to be interesting to see. Joshko also says, can you explain the ending of Trinity War? Read a lot of DC, but I'm confused. And what is the main story of Villain Month? So my understanding, so I mentioned a little bit of this earlier. We had Trinity War, and at the end of Trinity War, the crime syndicate arrived from Earth-3. The Justice League, all three Justice Leagues, weren't quite ready for this. Something happened after that, because apparently the Justice League's dead. Forever Evil came out, and the crime syndicates there—they're like, Justice League's dead. We're here, and you know, the Secret Society's been recruiting all the the villains, you know, inviting everyone on board, and it just—it looks like that—that's it. We don't know what happened. We have no idea. Why or how did the Justice League die? Obviously, they can't be dead. You know, we know they're going to come back. And if you read Forever Evil 2, you know, you're getting hints of, of what may happen. So between Justice League 23 and Forever Evil, there was a jump because, you know, things have to catch up, you know, especially with what happens in Nightwing and Forever Evil number one, because, you know, according to this list and everything, things are still going on. You know, Nightwing is still in Chicago Doing his, you know, going after Tony Zuko. So at some point, everything needs to catch up, and then you know we'll see what happens after that. So we have no idea what happened right after Justice League Twenty Three. We don't. We didn't see how that battle happened, and what makes the Crime Syndicate think everyone is dead. So that that's that's the only explanation I can give you, which is not much of one. But that's what DC decided to do. You know, it's it's that that. I think there's a name for it. It's that type of storyline, your storytelling where, you know, you kind of jump ahead and then you backtrack and, you know, so you know where it's going. You just have to wait and see how it plays out. All right. On the forums, uh, heart seven, six, six, eight says, how do you think Superman would act in the 1610 Marvel universe, otherwise known as the ultimate Marvel universe? Ultimate Marvel seems to be a lot more chaotic than a six one six continuity, and in the JLA Avengers crossover a while back, JLA was pretty disgusted by the way things were in that universe. So, how would Superman by himself this time fare in a sixteen ten? It would be pretty interesting because, um, yeah, you know, I I love the Mar- the Ultimate Universe. Let me let me just say that, but it almost feels like it's it's a little less professional in a way where you know they don't. Go. They're not as hardcore about superheroing. I know that's not really a word, but you know, j- there's a lot more like anything goes. You know, we've we've seen characters die, and you know, most of them have not come back. So it's if if they thought, or if Superman thought the six one six universe was was a mess. I mean, and again, I don't mean that in a bad way. He would would be almost heartbroken to see what's going on in the Ultimate Universe because things are crazy there and I don't know what he would do you know it's just so much wackiness you know when you have someone like Spider-Man you know this beloved hero who you know actually became beloved by even like J. Jonah Jameson you know he actually died and you know and the world found out he was this kid you know Superman would probably be a little bummed by that and he would probably cry because he cries a lot um XXXDDD (laughs) Oh no, we I did this one last time, um, with with Josh Williamson. So have you ever met Jeff Johns? so, what is he like? So yeah, um, I think I mentioned Jeff Johns. He's he's a cool guy. Um uh that's that's really <laughs> what I can say. I, I like his stuff. He's he's always been very friendly with me. Um, you know, we we, we ch- I still remember it was actually a year ago at New York Comic Con. I was I was about to interview James Tynan the fourth. And um, he actually popped in on the video. So if, if you look that up, but like right before the video, right before we we're about to start, he's like, he's like, Hey, Tony, some crazy stuff coming up. You're going to love it. And then so I'm like, OK, so now I'm thinking that during in the middle of this interview. And luckily, when I was done with the interview, he was still there. So I was like, Which book? You know, are you talking about Justice League? Are you talking, uh, you know, Green Lantern? And he's like, All of them. So I was like, Mr. T is there. So yeah, Jeff, Jeff's a cool guy. So I, I, you know, I like his stuff. Um. Super Jedi 17 says, First, I'd like to thank you for answering my first two Star Wars-centric questions. I, and, you know, let me just say, we need more Star Wars questions. What is up with you guys? It's like, we talk about Star Wars, and it, there's just a couple people, you know, saying stuff. It's like, where are all the Star Wars fans? How can Star Wars, how can, there, how can all you people reading comics, all you people in comic buying universe, not be crazy about Star Wars? That's what I want to know. Anyways, uh, regarding my Nightwing complaint of Dixon's run not being in print, I just heard about 2015 being Dick's 75th anniversary. Pretty spry for his age, eh? So maybe DC will try to do something for him, even though Mr. Grayson doesn't seem that important to them at the moment regarding what I heard about Forever Evil. Uh, (laughs) Honestly, how can he still be Nightwing after this? He's not exactly Tony Stark. But maybe in 2015 they'll pull Dixon's run back in trade. Let Bruce... Bruce's trade reprints take a break, please, and maybe I don't know. Put him in certain movie, reference him, future sequels. So I I don't get this either because it seems like you know a lot of people do like Nightwing, and um, obviously we have to assume there's some sort of plan. So this I, I I'll say this. Um, I don't know what what Jeff Johns has planned for Nightwing. I think it's crazy. I don't really like it that um, what happened in. Forever Evil Number One. I, I guess I won't spoil it, even though it's 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 been a month. I'm sure you've heard about it. But you know, sometimes you have to shake things up and you know move away from the status quo. I I'm not crazy about it. I'll stick around to see what's going to happen. Um, yeah, it's in in a way, it's good that he's a big part of this big you know Justice League storyline crossover. But in other ways, like really, it's like, did you have to do that to him? It's like, come on. So I, I don't know. Um, I really, I have no idea what they're going to do with this, and because this, this is going to change things, whole I don't know if it's going to be in a good way. Second question, and as far as reprints, I don't, I don't know what they are. Um, I haven't checked if they're on Comixology. but people still like buying traits, and you know. It's 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 too bad the, there's not an easier way to see what the demand is because obviously DC can't just start printing stuff or make plans to print stuff and then you know not you know maybe a hundred people want it or something like that you know there has to be enough of a demand so I don't I don't understand it second question more of your thoughts type of thing so you remember Batman number eleven u fifty two you know there was a certain reveal from Owlman, not Earth three. Um, new 52 verse. And I thought about this, but switching Owl Man with dun-dun-dun, the Joker. So, spoiler alert, maybe that could add another layer to why Bruce can't off the Joker, that he always felt some strange, almost familial tie. My idea was also the Joker was Thomas Wayne's illegitimate son while Martha was pregnant, possibly. Bruce would have to cope with that fact. Uh, maybe have a revelation why he couldn't have just once off joker also since i thought this up there could be no mention of a mother maybe um she could be an escort might even make bruce rethink his pristine memory of his parents or at least his father also it wouldn't actually have done an origin of the joker in a sense of the killing joke is he lying is he right kind of origin we're used to i wonder what scott snyder's thought in this would be i'm going to listen to shirley walker's batman nightwing themes um I I would go for like okay an elseworlds book like what if Batman and Joker were related that that could change obviously the dynamic where Bruce would have to realize this is my flesh and blood that's doing all these horrific things that you know killed my in a sense my my children um you know speaking of I guess it was only uh Jason um I would have to say sorry for that pause. I would have to say I don't want that. I wouldn't like that revelation. I would not be happy with that as a longtime Batman fan. Um, one, it would be too convenient. It's like, you know, of all the people, it's like it was almost like in in the the Batman movie where it's like you know I created you, you created me, you know type of thing. It's like that's just just that's too easy. And the idea of of Thomas having an illegitimate son. Yeah, it takes away from the pristine image of him, it's like I, I, I don't think we need to, to tarnish that that memory. It's like, it would be like saying Uncle Ben had an illeg- illegitimate son almost, you know. Um, Thomas and Martha died to give birth to Batman. You know, Dirt Death is what, what brought this about. And if all of a sudden we find out, it's like, oh, they weren't as noble. And you know, yeah, nobody's perfect. But, you know, having a flaw like that, that might might just be too much. So... It would be interesting to explore. I would in no way absolutely want to see that happen. Same way as I, I'd be deeply curious to see Batman take out the Joker and then the repercussions from that, what happens next. I absolutely 100% do not want that to actually happen in the main comic. Give me an Else Worlds where we explore that, whatever. Great. Don't make it actually happen because that's not what the character is about. And Yeah. Um and you know we'll have to get Scott Snyder back on sometime. You know, he was gonna be on right before San Diego, but things just got crazy. Um, you know, his schedule obviously is is crazy and he was just on a trip. He's got New York, so he, he will definitely be on at some point. Um Ectoborge <laughs> says, Hey G Man, can you get Franco and Art Baltazar on the show? Um that I yeah I should try that because you know I know they they do their own podcasts so those guys are just hilarious I don't know if I could do a podcast with them because just trying to record those videos with them I mean <laughs> it's just it's it's hilarious it's it's craziness crazy town um, have you ever heard of the Superman Lives movie that was never made um, I think so if it's the one I'm thinking of. Um, okay, it starred Nicolas Cage. Superman was going to be produced by Br- by Tim Burton. Yeah, I heard about that. Um, it's a good thing it didn't happen. I mean, it was just just weird. Um, have a great day. You too, Ectoborch. Thanks. The Mantis Shrimp says, "Hey, G-Man. I like the Villains Month Dark Side issue, and want to read more Dark Side and you guys stuff. Do you have any recommendation in terms of Dark Side stories? I'm specifically looking for stuff that shows Dark Side as a great tactician." Something people seem to think may be missing from the New Fifty Two version of Darkseid. I'm also interested in reading a series that takes place on New Genesis. Thanks. Look forward to your thoughts. Um there was that Justice League um it was it was the the one where they thought or there there's a rumor that this was what the, the Justice League movie was going to follow. It was a, it was like a two-part um story. And it was uh Just Leave America 183. It was actually a um three parts 183, 184 and 185. And this brought together Earth 1 and Earth 2. Um I don't know if this has been reprinted or not, but it's, it's an interesting story we, we see. It's not one of Darkseid's finest hours, but it's, it's definitely one that, that you should look up. So, again, that was um, Just Leave America 183. Um, I don't know what the year was for this. And another good one was uh, some of the Superman Batman early issues, um, like the story with Supergirl. Where you know she's she's it reintroduced to d c universe and then Darkseid, they they did the movie of it, and you know dark side wants to try to get her as one of his furies or whatever so um that that could be good and you know if if anything else try to get some of the, the you know classic stuff you know look up his his you know new d anything new gods with him and her i mean there's plenty of stuff out there. Just, I guess, a matter of finding it. They need to do like Dark Side's like greatest hits or something like that. Uh, okay, let's see. dro seventy seven says, "What is your opinion about a Wonder Woman Thor animated series, and why do you think we haven't seen at least one of them? They are very important characters to the DC Marvel universe." All right, so I'm assuming you're saying separate um, Wonder Woman. Let's let's start with Wonder Woman, Wonder Woman animated series. So you know we had the DC Nation shorts. I think it was like three parts, which were pretty cool. Uh, the unfortunate thing is the network, not networking the 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 people. Well, maybe it's the networking people. They're going to assume that a Wonder Woman TV show wouldn't work. That you couldn't have a Wonder Woman solo show, and you know they may say, "Well, look at Wonder Woman sales. Are right, do they compare to Batman?" and it would be hard to say, because especially with the animated series, you know the their demographic, what they're looking for is is boys age you know six to eleven or something like that. um I don't know if that's the, the exact age, but they, you know, that's that's what they're shooting for, you know these young boys, which is again totally inaccurate because obviously my daughter loves you know comic book animated series. But they're looking to target boys who will buy action figures and stuff like that. And the thought is Wonder Woman wouldn't wouldn't be able to sell. It all comes to the merchandise. They they, they need to make profits. That's what it comes down to. So it would be great to see a Wonder Woman animated series. It's just not going to happen. And the, the other thing to look at is the animated movie. It's a great movie. didn't do well. People didn't buy it. So whether they watch it through other means or what it didn't justify you know making a sequel which sucks um as far as thor that, that's kind of surprising that we haven't you know we have thor in the avengers cartoon uh trying to do a regular thor animated um i really like thor but you know so there's sometimes where the stories just don't work for me and i don't know you know we had the there was a, a straight to dvd movie where it was like young Thor. There was some adventures there. Um, I just, I don't know if people, if the, what the demand is for that. And, you know, you think with, with the movies like, yeah, let, let's do something there. I just don't know if, if there's enough of demand to make a regular Thor solo show, you know, put him in Avengers. Great. You know, cause that, that way he can bounce off the other people. But even though there's so much to Thor and Asgard that they could tell, it's just, it doesn't seem like it's going to happen. Um, Dante's Patron, Patron says, this is my first question and I always listen. So please answer it. All right. This is 20 days ago. So hopefully you are listening. Um, and hopefully if you are listening, you'll put a comment when when this airs. So I can know that you are listening. Do you feel that Marvel does enough to prevent cancellations of the lesser-known character series, or are they just viewed as experiments and won't care to advertise them? This could be said for for Marvel or DC. Um, DC hasn't really done it so much lately, but every once in a while, you know, you see see the house ads, and you know, you, you kind of, you see some in in the Marvel comics where they put the ads. It's like you need to put out ads for the books that are kind of struggling. And yeah, when you're using that ad space, you know you want the books that are going to sell you want to, you know try to increase those sales, but you know if you don't need to put an ad in for Batman or Spider man, you know you need to put in some of the other stuff to get you know people to check this book out you know'cause there's so many good books that a lot of people are just like you know i'm I'm getting eighteen x men books and and you know fifteen batman books i I can't read." You know, something like even like Guardians of the Galaxy, which you know, even though there's a movie coming out, it's like is that something that, that every comic reader is gonna pick up because you know they're not sure necessarily where where it stands. So it's like and I'm not saying that Guardians of the Galaxy is in danger, you know, I actually I don't know what the sales are. But yeah, Marvel and DC, they need to do something to, to push these other books and not just rely on on the big ones because I mean it's it's unfortunate. When especially when you like these underdog, like you know, fearless defenders, you know, how much of a push do they get? You know, I don't really see that much of a push happening. But it's like, you know, I'm going to buy this book. I'm going to commit to it. I'm going to get invested with the characters. I don't want to have to worry month after month that it's you know going to end soon. Because then you know, even though you're enjoying the stories, part of you feels like that I just waste my time. So, and and yeah, the answer should be no. If you got enjoyment out of it, you know it, it's not a waste. But you know it, it's it's heartbreaking in a way when you know the series ends and then it's just like that's it. Um, so then this du- Duantes Patron says, for example, Venom and now Scarlet Spider being canceled due to low sales. But I never saw ads for Scarlet Spider or Venom when I read the other series. Again, that that's crazy because uh, like Venom, it's like what like we're on issue forty, and you know Scarlet Spider and you know, people have been digging it, but. Uh, it just, it doesn't make sense. And, you know, they, they tried doing the minimum carnage crossover. I wasn't crazy about that, but you know, that that's the other option. It's Like, okay, if, if you have a character that's not quite doing it, do what a lot of us hate, but we'll still buy, you know, have that book crossover into something else that is selling to try to get people, you know, to buy that, check it out and see, but just make sure it's a good story and that the crossovers fit it makes sense. Um, I believe Marvel did more ads or joined them with other popular teams, they would still be around. For example, instead of putting Superior Spider-Man in New Mighty Avengers, they could have added Venom or add Gambit to Uncanny Avengers instead of Wolverine. Venom and Gambit would have been cool together in A plus X. So, yeah, I I do agree to some extent. Venom was in Secret Avengers. I don't know if that made much difference. So when Rick Remender was writing that. Um, gambit i know he's been at least one a plus x um the other thing with a plus x they need to do put characters in there that are going to sell because a plus x that's one of those like unknown books which it's probably hard for retailers to know how many copies to order you know people may have it on their pull list but there's probably the the casual readers where they're like uh beast and and wonder man yeah i don't want to read about that which is crazy so you know they they need characters that will will sell so it's, it's just unfortunate that a lot of people just get comfortable. And again, it's it's all about because, you know, you're limited on your funds and, you know, you know that, well, I know what to expect from the X-Men books or the Batman books. So I'm I'll just buy those. And then some like Gambit's like, yeah, OK, he's a cool character. I don't know if I want to you know take the time to add that to my list if it's going to get canceled. So it's just goes around in circles, I guess. Um. Hazmat 103 says, Hey, G-Man. My question is, where's Quicksilver? I'm just curious because I haven't really seen him in anything lately. Um, thanks for answering all my cues. So, yeah, I think he like showed up uh, very briefly in X-Factor. Uh, maybe in Humanity. I don't know if there's any plans for him so with his slight involvement. I don't think the Inhumans want anything to do with him after uh, he tried stealing the Cherrigan mist crystals or whatever. So I don't know what he's doing. Um, that's that's a good question. It's like, what what's is he just hanging out doing nothing? What, what, how's he paying the bills? That that's what we need to know. Curse space T says, "I wish this thread would update quicker. I feel as though the next podcast will be Curse Space T overload." Uh, I have a okay. I'm not really sure. Um, here's a big question. I know you want to discuss in detail. The question is. Are certain writers and comic book creators incompatible? Let me explain what I mean. We all know that certain writers have specific types of stories they, they write and write well. I'll use Bendis for an example. He's able to write brilliant Ultimate Spider-Man because he's good with younger characters and street characters, which is a perfect Spider-Man. While other writers, even if they're not quite a perfect match, can handle a character by using the multiple faces of them. Like Azrael can write Wonder Woman even though superheroes aren't his normal stick because she is able to be written in a darker world. Finally, you have characters you believe a writer should, in theory, do brilliantly, like Deadpool by Morrison or Green Lantern by Hickman. Question is, are there characters um, a brilliant writer would be utterly unable to write? Some possible ones I can think of as Captain America by Gail Simone or Superman by Bendis. So, yeah, absolutely. Um, I th- I thought you would say like, like writer and artist being incom- incompatible. But you know, you do want to have a writer who will have a good voice for the character, and you know, you want no, you want to have someone that that's that has has a plan that, that knows what they're they're going to do with them. If someone can't really write kids, you don't want them writing a book that has a bunch of kids. So, um, and just because someone is a brilliant writer doesn't necessarily mean they they can do everything. You know, you could have you know, a male writer or a female writer that can can write Batman, can write Superman or or, you know, write Spider Man, but maybe they can't write, you know, a female book. They can't write Wonder Woman or, you know, vice versa. So it's it's possible. It would be interesting for them to try to to get out of their comfort zone and, you know, try to push themselves to, to do a character that they may not feel comfortable with, but at the same time we don't want to. It's like, you know, do you take that risk? Um, you know, do you take, um, you know, creator X, who's doing a really great job in this book, and try putting him this on another book to say, let's see how you do over here. We're going to pull you off this book that everyone's enjoying just to see if you can, you know, shake things up a little bit or get out of your comfort zone and, and try doing this. It could be a great thing, it could be a disaster. And then, one, that 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 affects the the writer's credibility. Where people will be like, "Wow, man, this 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 person was really good." And then I read that, and it's like, I don't know if I want to read anything by them. You know, they may not want to take that risk. So, I don't really know. It, you know, how if pitchers pitchers if the you know editors publishers go up to the writers, or if it's just the writers making pitches, but it's like if someone says, "Hey." Here's this character. What do you think about writing a book about this? And if they're like, oh, crap, I don't know about this. I don't like this character. And, oh, sure, I'll do it. It's not necessarily a good idea um, unless the, the writer is really comfortable and, and can do something with it. Wendegorborn says, I was very excited about the all-new Invaders book. Before I finished reading that announce- announcement, I already knew I was buying the book. The promo picture shows an all-male lineup which makes sense since the original invaders started out that way too. But my favorite times um, in invaders were when there was a female hero in the mix, like when Spitfire was a regular in the original book or when they teamed with Liberty Legion. So the original Miss America was around. I can't think of a current Marvel female hero who would fit in this team. Can you? I'm hoping James Robson creates a new female character after a few issues. Your thoughts. Um that this is a great question. And you know, people should know um James will be back on a podcast at some point. So obviously there's been you know a lot of changing at a pace. Um you know, I'm assuming he's been working on this for a while, you know, because it's it's you know coming out I believe it's is it December, January? Um and you know, we know he's he's doing that Spider Man book with Mark Wade that's coming out I think it's like next year. Uh and I, I think the reason for the delay not the sort of delay but the the length of that is for the art to to get done um so james will be back and this you know this is obviously something we we can ask him because you know he's he's not afraid to write female characters so it would be good to see what he would add to that um as far as who would fit with that um that that's hard to say cuz you know, you want to think who, who could beat her. Cause it's like, do you say black widow? It's like, well, she's not, that doesn't really fit the the profile of being, you know, an American fighter, you know, since she came from another country. Um, it, it's too bad. You can't have like Sharon Carter since what happened to her recently. So if, if hopefully you've been reading Rick Remender's Captain America, see, so saw that. So yeah, we'll have to see what happens. Um, Carol Danvers would be cool, but I'm assuming she's just so busy. So, I don't know. We'll have to wait and see. Chatham96 says, I'm sure you have talked about this before since you said that you don't like people swapping Marvel codes and not paying for the book. But anyways, what do you think about people using Marvel Share on Twitter or hashtag Marvel Share? I don't like it because it seems like a lot of people don't ever buy their own comics, but they just wait for the codes to be tweeted It also becomes an addiction for many people that they constantly are checking the hashtag just to get more codes. I pull a joke on people and use Marvel Share and put a fake code that came off at the top of my head. In minutes, I had tons of people tweeting me that the code isn't working, and it seemed like they were becoming frantic about it. I think people need to drop this stupid addiction of not paying for comics and just buy their own instead of mooching off of other people. So, yeah, you know, I, pardon me, I I do agree. um, And, you know, I've expressed my opinion about people sharing the codes. I'm not saying that if you do that, I look down upon you and and I, you know, disown you or anything like that because I don't own you or anything. For me, it's just that, you know, I want the the comic industry to thrive. But then on the other hand, comics aren't cheap. And I, I can totally get when you're like, man, I wish I could read all these books. I can't afford them you know it's like i can't afford all the books you know that that are out there and you know sometimes i'm like you know i'm not going to get this and you know you have to pick and choose so it it is hard but at the same time and you know i am sure marvel knows about this and you know even the marvel guys they'll 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 put codes out occasionally it's a good way to get people to try something you know like you give them something for free they check it out and they're like wow i really want to see what's going to happen next maybe i'll go buy this comic Hopefully that happens. It may not happen. If if there's people using this hashtag all the time, waiting, and then you know they're just trying to get as many free comics as they can, that's not really I'm, uh, what the the idea is. I, I would would think. So it's it's unfortunate, but again, with the economy and with the prices of comics, you know so, sometimes people need to do this. I I wish it wasn't like that. I wish comics could be affordable and profitable. I wish you know we could all buy within reason, you know, all the comics we want. But, you know, I guess it's just a matter of, you know, what you can do. And at least people are using codes rather than trying to, you know, go through other means, if you know what I'm saying. Uh, Bloody Nights says, "I got a question for you that's been bugging me ever since I got into comics, which I admit hasn't been that long, around a year now." Um, let me just say, you know, there's, there's nothing wrong with admitting that you aren't familiar or, you know, aren't knowledgeable about that. You know, take Robert Venditti. I meant to bring this up earlier because he, he also mentioned this the last time he was on a podcast. He doesn't come from a, a background in comics. You wouldn't know that. I mean, what he's doing with Green Lantern, you know, he's got it. He mentioned he wasn't familiar with the source wall. And I'm sure there's some people who are like, like, wow, he didn't know about that. It's like, no, he doesn't know about that. But what he does, he he digs in there, he researches it. Same thing with with Exo Manowar. Did he read Valiant comics before? Maybe not. You know, probably not. I think he said he didn't. Um, and, and it doesn't matter because he's a good writer. Where you know he he doesn't need to fake it. I mean, if you you try saying yeah, I know everything about everything, it's going to be obvious when when you don't know that. And I always use the Legion of Superheroes as, as my big example. You know, I read a lot of the Silver Age stories, the the goofy ones, you know, Legion with Superboy, but with the different timelines in that, you know, there's there's a lot. I don't know. I couldn't give you like the entire history of of these characters because there's been so many different ones. And, and, you know, that's my my weakness there. I wouldn't say, yeah, I I know everything about every single comic. I, I know everything. I'm Mr. Awesome. So there's no point in doing that. So. The thing is, you're reading comics now, you're enthusiastic about it, that is great. That's why we're all here, because we love comics. doesn't matter if you've been reading for a year, a month, 10 years, 50 years, we're all here now. All right. Um, why is it trades, graphic novels, take so long to release compared to normal issues? For example, I believe Deathstroke for New 52 is on issue 19. Yet they have released only a trade for that collects issues one through six. Second volume isn't scheduled next year. Why do DC and Marvel both wait so long to collect for the collected editions? For someone like me, I only collect them like this because they look nice on my shelf. Do you think it would be more wiser for them to distribute collected issues in a more timely fashion to properly gauge sales for titles? Or do you think they intentionally draw out the weight as a business tactic to make you double dip buying both? So, I, this is something that's come up before, and it seems that. Marvel is a little better about getting their trades out. There is, I mean, take Mind the Gap. Okay, so that's from Image, Jim McCann. Um, Issue 15 just came out. Uh, The trade collecting, I think it's like 11 through 15, whatever, the the third trade comes out at the end of the month. There's going to be a little bit of break November, and in December, issue 16 comes out. So by the time issue sixteen comes out, you can go and buy three trades for the entire series before getting to the next one. That is great. So that way, people can say, "I, you know, I want to junk read the series. I don't know what happened," and you know they don't have to wait for the trades. The other thing is, if people trade wait, then that's going to affect the sales for the individual issues. The sales for the individual issues is really what pushes. The success of the series, Um, you know, because you can't really gauge it on the trades because it's after the fact in a way. So there's also you know comic shops where if they order extra issues, they want those to sell. You know, they don't want to hang on to all these these old issues unless you know they're going to be able to sell it for you know crazy prices later on if something happened there. So if if a trade comes out right away and someone says, "Oh, I missed you know the last few issues," I'll just wait another month i can just get the trades and i don't have to pick up these issues and then the store is stuck with these issues so it's it's a little bit of that where i i think they think that they're they're trying to help out um retailers a little more but it, it is frustrating because you know we've seen some books in the new 52 that if that second trade came out people might have um picked it up and then say wow okay I'm sold. I'm just, you know, now I can start reading the individual issues, but it was too late. So it's an unfortunate thing. That's, that's just how it is. You know, they, they want people to buy the single issues. The other bad thing is when they release paperback trade, paperback trade, and then they do hardcover. And then it's like, you know, should you wait for the hardcover? Cause a lot of times the hardcover comes out, you know, that happens also where the hardcover come out. People are like, I want the, the paperback. So, there's just no pleasing everyone, is what it comes down to. Uh, Ghost Runner says, Why do you think writers have trouble writing married superheroes? I have a theory. I think it's because after the marriage, they don't do anything or spend any time together. For example, before the marriage, Mary Jane and Spider Man had reasons to interact and spend time together. She can't go on his adventure with him, but at least we see her when it's time for the romantic scenes. Before marriage, the love interest is for the romance angle and the whole will they, won't they thing after the marriage, that angle's pretty much gone, and the writers seem to have difficulty with what to do with the character then. Um, it's basically the moonlighting effect. You, know, you want to see the buildup, and then once it happens, it's like, what do you do with it? Um, this is why I think marriages like Reed Richard Sue storm and Constantine Epiphany really work, because they have something to do together. They go, in Constantine's case... On adventures together, Sue and Epiphany were part of the story. They didn't just sit around at home and waited for their husbands to come back. I'm not saying that heroes should marry other heroes. I'm saying that writers should find ways to have their spouse be part of the story instead of just moral support for the heroes. I swear the only time we ever saw Lois was when they were married was when she was telling Superman what a great job he does and how much she loves him, whereas when they're not married, she's actually out there being a reporter. It's It's a mixed thing, and... You know, the the other thing is publishers feel, I th- believe, that r- some readers can't relate to married heroes because they're not married themselves, which, you know, look at the average age of readers now, you know, that may not necessarily be the case. So a lot of it is, you know, what, what do you do with it? Because with, speaking of Mary Jane, a lot of times she was just sitting around waiting and, you know, she had the occasional story where, you know, there's a stalker, you know, trying to go after her or something. So it's it's just it it would be nice if they could evolve in that way you know we see other things happen we can see characters like Dick Grayson move on from Robin to becoming Nightwing but we can't see them get married because that's that's too drastic and you know then we can't see characters like Spider-Man have a kid because that just pushes them too too far away so i don't know it's 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 an unfortunate thing whether DC has an official You know, edict where characters cannot get married. You know, because Superman and Lois aren't married, um, Barry and Iris aren't married. Supposedly, Aquaman and Mira aren't married. It just it it seems unnecessary. It seems too extreme. So, and as as far as writers, I mean, writers can write stories. I'm sure they they can do it. But what it comes down to is, you know, you don't want to see Superman sitting around, you know, being domestic. And, you know, if if he's flying around, it's like, when does Lois and Superman have time together? You know, he was when New Krypton was around, you know, he was there for like a year and, you know, he he never got to spend time with Lois. It's different than saying, well, what about, you know, when a spouse, male or female, you know, is a police officer, you know, and, and their, their spouse is not, you know, can they relate to that world? But, you know, they are off duty at times where superheroes. Sometimes they go on these adventures that could take several days. You know, all the Avengers now are out in space. You know, what happens if they're, you know, they have spouses at home or kids. So it's, it's just tough where I guess the root of the comics is supposed to be about the comic book superhero adventure and not so much about their personal lives, which is just unfortunate. All right. Last one is from Killen. Does Iron Man have a lames rogues gallery? and why hasn't marvel done anything about it um I, you know I, I i want to disagree but i do have to say he kind of does have in some ways a, a lame rogue's gallery they can do some cool things with it but you know you, you look at like the iron man movies you know um i wasn't a big fan of obadiah stane wait was he in it yeah um he you know he's one of iron man's villains like eh. um mandarin it was interesting what they decided to do with him. Uh, whiplash, you know, you get crimson dynamo. Um, they should have used, was his name ghost, the, the corporate, I don't, I don't even know how that would work in a movie. Uh <laughs> backlash. It's, I, I don't know. Um, it's weird because I really enjoyed, I remember when I, when I first started reading comics, I really was into the Iron Man comics. Um, uh, but also he, you know, he's really good with the Avengers. I just, I don't need to see all of his villains being like industrial spies or armored, you know, nemesis. So something needs to be done at least with him being out in space, which is weird, but you know, we're getting something a little different there. Uh, name the top 10 lamest rogues galleries that I can't do that now. Um, but yeah, Iron Man is, is kinda weak. So Superman has some some weak villains too. You know, he's he's got Lex Luthor. Okay. Um Brainiac sometimes is cool. Um Bizarro can be cool. Like Metallo Parasite. I'm not the biggest fan of them. You know, and it's weird because I really like Superman, but you know, Toy Man, um you know, who else do you have? Will Hydra and other Shield enemies appear in the Shield TV this season? They mentioned, uh, I believe they mentioned Hydra, yeah, in, in the second episode. Um, so I would think they, they they need to start incorporating more Marvel stuff. I understand why they don't want to go pure like superhero stuff, but we we kind of need to see that. You know, if if you're going to keep referencing the Battle of New York, you you should have more of that in there. You know, at least with the first episode, you know, we saw some superpowers. We, we we need we need more of that. I'm. I'm not saying there should be a new super powered character pop up every every week, and also you know they want to be a little hesitant who they use in case they decide to use them in a movie. And you know, I think I talked about this on last week's episode with with Josh Williamson, where you know you have to be really careful with who you cast because you want to cast someone like you know they could have Hank Pym show up in an episode, and then it's like okay, we're gonna do a movie, Ant Man movie. The actor we got, people didn't like him or it didn't really. And, you know, yeah, you can just recast because he did it with War Machine and who else did they recast? But it's just it's it's a tricky thing. But we do need more S.H.I.E.L.D. enemies and more comic book stuff in there. And Will Superman, Batman and Spider-Man remain the most referenced heroes in comics forever and ever uh it seems like that because you know Superman and Batman they're approaching 100 years you know they're both over 75 Spider-Man's 50 uh it 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 seems like they're they're still going strong you know we have the lone ranger who's hanging in there we have tarzan you know other characters like that but it looks like Superman Batman Spider-Man are are up there and i'm okay with that so forever and ever it's just it's hard to say you know cuz what's going to happen you know At some point, are they going to, you know, redefine who these characters are? You know, what's going to happen in year 2039 when, you know, Batman is is 100 years old? Something to think about. All right. That is the podcast for this week. So, again, if you have questions, you can go to the general discussion forum, to Ask G-Man video questions. So, you know, guess what? I'm almost caught up. There's only um, on the nineteenth page. There's only three questions there. So next episode could be kind of just sitting like this, waiting. Um, you can go on Twitter, GMan from Heck. Use a hashtag #AskGMan. You can go to Tumblr, um, GMan from You can send an email podcast at comicvine.com, and you know make sure you specify which podcast. So let's see, t- uh, this week, um, while you are listening to this, after this, I'm right now, I'm heading to, no, not really, um, I'm going to be traveling, me and Matt are actually going to be arriving in New York on Wednesday, um, so Jen will be there, and Joey will be running the camera, um, Greg hopefully will, will be there, uh, so yeah, New York Comic Con, so it's going to be crazy, Hopefully you will be there. If you are there, make sure you say hello. Don't interrupt us, please, in the middle of an interview, but we'd we'd love to see and talk to you. Um, That being said, there may not be a weekly podcast. Uh, Matt and I talked about possibly recording late at night, but we may save that for next week, um, Supermassive, so we can cover everything. Because if if we just do, cause you know, we'll just have Thursday and Friday and then there's still Saturday and Sunday, which wouldn't be on that podcast. And you know, we're not going to have time to do like a three hour podcast or whatever before that. So there's your little tease. I think we may do like, you know, bits kind of like daily wrap ups, but podcast style and just after the fact like a week, or the next week. So thanks for listening. Thanks to Robert Venditti. Check out his stuff, read Green Lantern, read Lights Out, read Exo Manowar, read the other Valiant books. They're all great. Send in your questions, um, put your comments. Let me know what what you thought of this episode. Again, if you listen on iTunes, um, put, you know, give put a comment there, give it a, a rating. That would be cool. Um, I know some people asked about Stitcher. I never submitted the original Comic Vine podcast to Stitcher uh, when the site relaunched. I, relaunched. I had people ask me to create a separate RSS feed from this compared to the regular podcast, so that is why this one does not appear in Stitcher. Um, If someone wants to submit it for me, whoever submitted the first one, that would be great. Um, Otherwise, I need to find time to do that. So hopefully, you are getting this podcast, you're listening to this. Otherwise, you have no idea what I'm talking about. So uh, we should have a show next week. So probably no regular podcast this Friday. Um, But then the next week, we should be back on schedule, and we'll try to get Jen on a regular podcast. Jen will be in New York, so you will see some of her there. So thanks. I will talk to you guys soon. Goodbye. So, so my question, my question is, is, could it be? We, don't, we know. don't know. And I would like to ask, ask you which comic who you book does the that's, that's affecting that's you most emotionally. emotionally. Yeah. Yep. That's the question. Don't shake your yeah. head. I love Alan Davis. This is this a John Byrne issue. issue. I, love I love Alan Davis. Yeah. I, I I wasn't a fan this of this. That's the question. You can't blame me. Immediate Creative Team. I give this a
0: I two. give this a two. <laughs>